Good morning. Good afternoon. Welcome to the No Mongol Podcast, a weekly show about all things skateboarding. And my name is Rick Beta. Today, I've got fellow skateboard podcaster. He's a former pro skater. He's a UPS driver during the week, drummer for the Stone Dust Riders, and just an all-around cool human being. James Bradfield, a.k.a. Cabbage, joins me today. Cabbage, welcome to the show, man. What the hell is up, Rick motherfucking Beta, Ooh. and all you know Mongo podcast listeners? I've been, I was pumped, man. Once we started kind of going back and forth, like, all right, let's, you know, let's get you on the show. Let's talk, man. Cause I, I, I know, as we just talked about your story, your background, there's no way in hell we can cover it all in this one episode. So I'm just giving the listeners kind of a little cliff notes that, Hey, this is yeah. good. but dude, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh we just had some snow back East right before you called i jumped on the four-wheeler and did some donuts all through my front yard so that was fun and you're in baltimore and you got a lot of property yeah i'm on the outskirts of baltimore in the county um i'm about 20 minutes from downtown the heart of the city but uh i bought this uh like it's i call it the farm but there's no animals here besides my dog i bought this spot and um it's kind of just like my uh something i've always wanted you know i grew up in the city and it's so cool to have to be able to jump on a four wheel or a dirt bike, you know, have bonfires with no neighbors. And, you know, it gets as crazy as gun shooting and all kinds of shit, you know, like I, I couldn't have guns when I was a kid. And now we got, we can shoot guns out here and it's just, you know, it's, it's cool, man. Um, the, the property did have a half pipe on it when I bought it. It nice. had a mini ramp, but, uh, dude, the mini ramp was so fucking jacked up and, uh, just, you know years of years of abuse but i've been talking to friends we're thinking about digging something here but i want it to be super old man friendly so we're thinking <laughs> about we're thinking about digging a ditch like a, a old school just mellow di- bank wall ditch with some parking blocks just so i can get some scrapes <laughs> love it dude yeah i love how you mentioned you mentioned the word old man because i'm kind of at that you know age too you know i'm be 46 this year and and i'm like because i keep telling my wife i'm all let's, I want to build a half pipe. I want to build something. And I, and I tell them it's before, I tell her it's before my kids, you know, cause they'll have fun on it, but it's mostly totally. for me. Right. But it's going to be mellow transition. I'm talking like maybe six or seven foot radius, you know, nothing crazy, but yeah, yeah. that's like my dream. I want to, that's my, my, my adult life goal to have something like that. I know. Well, when we bought our first house, it had a two car garage and uh, it was in the city, but we had a little bit of enough space that, uh, a friend of mine that owns a skate park here in Baltimore, Charm City Skate Park, uh, shout out Jason Chapman. He gave me the uh, old bowl that was at the park. And so we custom fit it to fit inside the two-car garage. And uh, so I had a wooden bowl inside my two-car garage, but you couldn't put anything else in there. And my wife was like, really? <laughs> it- <laughs> And then it became like everybody coming over, teams coming through town. DeKine was shooting ads back there. All the te- It was the only indoor bowl in Baltimore. And so it was tight and killer. It had pool coping on one side, steel on the other. But uh, it was – my wife was like, man, this is, you know, getting to be a little much. I was like, it's for the kids. And no- none of the kids could even skate it, but they loved it like a sliding board. So my son and all his friends would get in there and we'd throw a bunch of soccer balls in there. It was like just, it it was like a killer babysitter, but it was more like it turned into like my house was like the party spot. My wife was like, uh-uh. This, <laughs> so the next house 
didn't have a bow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally can understand that. Cause I remember, you know, back in the day growing, like when I was, you know, just starting out and you found out which friends had ramps in their house yeah, at their house. And sometimes you sneak in when their, their parents are at work or whatever, but it would always, I, I, I could relate. Whereas like, you just don't want anyone at your house. Like, you know, cause you yeah. it up all the time. Like, Hey, totally. can we skate? It's like, I just need some privacy, man. I built this for me, but then you got to have, you, know, you got to take your, you know, your, yeah, you got to be cool with your bros, but yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of times where you're like, you're, when you're married, when you're, when you're just single, it's killer. Like whatever, go skate. <laughs> I'm just going to chill. But when you got a wife there and a carload of friends show up and yeah, you got to go say, Hey, and the dog's barking. It's just a whole like, Oh, you know, but uh, yeah, man. So I, I'm loving it, man. So nowadays, you know, I don't, I'm out here. I don't have anything. I have a skate park called Shrimp Town about 10 miles from me. And of course, I'm only about 20 minutes away from the famous Lansdowne Skate Park. And that's where I grew up. And that's my home park for life. And that is like a, a 70s concrete skate park that's similar to like a derby out your way. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's a little big. It's bigger than derby. But it's like those parks you see all in of vancouver in british columbia those concrete wavy yeah so no you know no coping or tranny but it's uh they're super super fun a lot of really tech quote air quote old guy friendly people skate yeah, i like that man <laughs> <laughs> so yeah let's we'll take it way back then so what got you into skateboarding like who or what like kind of where you know it's an obvious and typical question but i always like to ask you like what got you started all right well forgive me if i talk too much bro hey go for it man <laughs> So it started for me in the late seventies. Um, I had an older cousin and, uh, he had, he was a deadhead. And when I go over to my aunt's house, he had his room in the basement and there was always an odd odor that would come from the basement <laughs> and there would always be a party going on there. I never knew what was going on, but it was that his was like the party house. But, um, one of the kids, uh, his name was Jimmy. He's like some lacrosse player at the local university. He had a, uh, uh, this board hanging behind me up here, your listeners can't see it, but it's a, a Grim Tech. Gotcha. It's a plastic banana board. It's mm -hmm. your classic mm -hmm. banana board. Um, he had one. So I took it out and my aunt had an alley behind her house. I rode it and that's where I, I think back and that's where the freedom of riding really started for me was on that like little plastic banana board. No tricks, no nothing, just standing up and learning, you know, the freedom of rolling. But back then, um, BMX bikes were like all the shit. You know, you're my mm -hmm. age age yep. bracket. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, the evolution of BMX was like, you know, Mongoose, Redline, Skyway. I, it was all changing so quick. So, But BMX was something that me and all my friends in the neighborhood did. We had some woods by our house, and we built jumps back there, and that was all the shit. Um, so skateboarding just kind of sat where it sat. It, it was secondary. And, um, and then as the skateboarders skateboarding got better, the, the equipment got better. I started seeing then my second, my first real board was the Kryptonics like wedge tail. It had little Indy one Oh ones, Kryptonic wheels. And then me and my best friend in the neighborhood, Jimmy Ryan, we'd ride those. And then I around fifth, sixth grade, I met my, who became my best friend in life. His name is Derek Krasowskis from my show, episode one. Derek is a pro skateboarder. He's a vert skater. And he was a top amateur for years. Back back then, he was like ripping and winning contests. And he's, we all grew up with Bucky Lassick. Mm -hmm. So 
it was Derek, Bucky, and all the, we had a ramp called Hell Ramp, which was one, it was about, uh, it was 12 foot high steel half pipe. And these guys were killing it. That's where Bucky was discovered by Pal. Yeah. Was on that ramp. So anyway, Derek was my best friend. I was watching him and, and he, I got, I was down a, a coastal town called Ocean City, Maryland. It, it, Ocean City has the oldest running medicinal skate park in the country it started in 19 oh man uh, the, all my fans are probably like cabbage you suck I'm, I'm having a mind fart but i think it was 78 mm-hmm. and um i i skate i bought uh uh what was i had my grandmother buy me i got a um santa cruz steve olsen nice with indy indy 215s that was my first real legit skateboard Went to the skate park there, and this was in the early 80s. I was still big time in the BMX. And by now, BMX, I was traveling nationally. I was a sponsored um, AM. I was winning national events, and I was a 12, 13-year-old expert. But, um, but BMX was so regimented for me because my parents, I trained. I rode rollers. I, we had every weekend we were gone in an RV to different nationals all over the East Coast. But skating, I saw Derek doing it, and it looked so much fun and free, and just you did it when you wanted to do it, and and I don't know what it was, but it was some. I quit racing bikes probably around 1986, and that's when skateboarding took like, and that's that 86, dude. You know, Pal was going crazy, yeah. Bones Brigade, Future Primitive. You know, I got a Thrasher skate rock or thrasher thrasher volume one like this old video with like drunken engines and tsol and all these bands in it so like my whole world was like whoa this is took over for me and uh so i started riding um got a lance mountain everybody you know then up then i rode a uh tony hawk and then it, then it went to like alva boards for me eddie radigy's board fred smith all these guys so you know, the 80s was rad, and then it became jump ramps. We got a jump ramp, and it was game all over. Yeah. I became a jump ramp champ. I Price loved it, Bears, man. I miss I missed that era. You know, that was a great era, just launching off. I remember my, one of my buddies, he made a four-foot launch ramp, and at the time, we're like, what the? I, mean, I just remember I could, I could hear and feel the way it felt to, to fly off that thing, and it's silence. And you were flying mm-hmm. for a long-ass time and just landing. It's like, but it was the best feeling, dude, just hitting the launch ramp. Even if it's a and backside air, whatever, you know, something. Oh, simple. yeah, yeah. Totally. And then remember when you could kick your foot off like a frigid or judo air? Yeah. Like, oh, those, are the, those felt the best. Yeah. I remember I, when I best. first learned them, I would do them into the grass. And then when I'd feel yeah. confident, I'd do it in the streets. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, don't, yeah. I miss that era so much. I mean, I can't, I mean, maybe I could do it now, but not as, I'd have to have an adult friendly, you know, maybe yeah, like well, a foot kicker or something like that. Well, the, yeah, the problem with all that, all those years we jumped street ramps was we were just doing it to flat so we were to steady impact yeah so it's similar to what the kids are doing today with jumping down big gaps and steps we were doing the same thing but at a you know not as technical of course and not as dangerous level but uh we were just constantly impacting and uh, you know wearing vans you know (laughs) yeah my my knee still hurts to this day because of that yeah man fuck you vans because i'm 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 an addict. I wear, I still wear Vans. At, Same here, know, man. Four, Thirty plus at, years. Yeah, my feet are like fuck <laughs> you, man. So yeah, for me that was it. And then um, 
So here, where it goes to the next level is after graduation, I graduated high school in 1989. Skateboarding was like really changing and a lot at this point, you know? Yep. So my best friend, Derek, is um, skating in these NSA contests, National Skateboard Association. And he is my gateway guy. Derek was my gateway guy to meet everyone because what I did is, I saved a little money from this pizza delivery job and I quit and I went on tour with Derek because he was riding for Vision Streetwear and Vision. He was, ne when Mike Crum and Chris Gentry went pro for Vision, Derek and Brian Drake were the next two in line to go pro for Vision. And so I was traveling with Derek as his companion, but we were on like all, we were, he was decked out, you know, geared up, product up, all vision, everything, shoes, head to toe. So we were going to these contests and um, I was skating in them because I'm meeting guys like, like it, and Brian Schaefer, all the Florida guys. I met them, like they were all come in a van. It was like Schaefer, Jimmy the Greek, Jimmy Marcus, all these cats, Bill Weiss. I'm, so all these dudes I'm meeting early on be, were just pivotal, huge players in skateboard industry, but we became friends early on. So we, I, I skated in these contests, man. I mean, I was skating against Andy McDonald and Willie Santos and all these guys were in my heats. Nice. And, uh, but you know, I was in the twenties. I, I never thought I was going to be something with skateboarding. You know, I was just having fun. I was Derek's sidekick, you know? So skateboarding went, it, I, I rode it out with him. We traveled all over. It came to a head and vert skating kind of died. And that was, I remember, yeah. D Derek was my guy and he was a vert guy. He got real depressed and tried street skating, but it was just wasn't, you know, we were out riding and all, but like the vert scene died and went to the backyards a little bit. And so I was in that scene until I'm just, I'm fast forwarding through my life real quick, bro. There's like just, but uh, in the late, in the mid nineties, I moved to California and I was just still just skateboarding, doing my thing. And I got real high one time and my buddy had a longboard and I took it for a ride in the alley. I lived in Mission Beach. By now I had met a lot of people out there. Like we used to go to this uh, skate park this, that they'd set up in Mission Beach out on the uh, point, and I met Sam Hits, and I and I, Sam was one of the first guys I met, and they take me back, and that's when I met Darren, and uh, Al, and all the all those creature hash dudes. By the way, did you see that new thing out on Darren? Twenty five. I years? did, man. Twenty two. It's like twenty two minutes of just pure awesomeness. Yeah, it's fucking killer, it man. So good. I mean, he's a guy it's, I want to hang out with one day. He's very cool mm. and. But yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that I learned. That's why I like about the, those kind of documentary style, you know, videos. But yeah, it was oh, so good. And just the demise so of the creature and then the, the comeback and just how it was all cool. And Kendall yep. was like, you know, how they everyone kind of lifted them up because they, they saw there was a future and a good brand there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. I, but yeah, I saw that, man. I was, I was going to talk about that. Um, well, you, this episode would probably drop on Tuesday. But yeah, I was going to talk about that because it was so good, man. Yeah, man. That, it was so rad. And, and I was in, I was like, there in the nucleus of that when that was going cool. on because i lived in mission beach so i you know i was hanging out with those guys and then we would go and skate um 
Escondido. Like mm-hmm. some of that footage that's in that, man. I was like looking. I was like, am I on the deck? <laughs> but uh, is that me? Is that me? The, but but you dudes. point. You made a good point. Um, like in your journey, because when I was taking notes for the show, like because you're into like multiple disciplines or, or flavors mm-hmm. of skateboarding. Mm-hmm. So transition, slalom, longboarding. And like Everything. how much of that, like just the overall balance, you know, contributed to you eventually like turning pro? Well, here's, here's, okay. Well, that's a good question. And this is how that panned out. So I, I, I never really thought about wanting to be the cool guy. Cause I was just myself. Yeah. I am. If you can always get this out of me, dude, I'm straightforward. I don't give a fuck. Like I'm punk rock in the sense I play drums in a hardcore band. You know, I'm not scared of anyone. I just don't have, like, I, you know, I'm cool. I'm, I'm not being like tough guy, but like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. So I love skateboarding, dude. And what happened is I got high as fuck in Mission Beach. My buddy worked at a place called Soul Grind. His name was Woody, who started Blues Hardware. Shout out Woody, and uh, he let me borrow a board. It was a gravity longboard. I, it was 47 inches long, had wheel wow. cutouts, big ass cruiser wheels. I took this board, dude, and rode it through the alleys, and I was super high. And I got in this, like, zone of, like, surfing. And I was a Baltimore City kid that was living at the beach and sucked at surfing. But, like, I was caught up. I'm carving all the fucking cutouts. I'm ducking under palm fronds, hanging down, getting barreled. Like, I was in some weird state of, like, this is fucking rad. I'm surfing the land. And to me, it was insane. So I loved it. So my bu- I said, dude, can you help me get one of these boards? He's like, yeah, man, I'll sell you one wholesale. Sold me a board wholesale. I fucking wrote it for like two weeks. And I, the longness was fun to hippie jump shit. It had a yeah, little spring longer, to it. Yeah. So you're like, boing. And uh, I was hippie jumping something. And when I came down and landed on the board, it snapped. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I took it back to the guy at the shop my friend and Woody's like, dude, their, their factory's like right up in Salona beach. And I was like, uh, he's like, it's like three exits up the highway or so. I was like, all right, cool. Gave me the address. I called them. They said, bring it in, brought it back. They swapped out the deck killer. Thanks guys. Everybody was nice. Take it back to the beach cruising a couple weeks later. Guess what? <laughs> Snap. Break the fucking board. Now I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, dude, all right, fuck this. Maybe I shouldn't be longboarding. You know, I'm, I'm too aggressive. And uh, so I take it back this time and they're like, okay, well, what are you doing on these things? And I'm like, I'm just hippie jumping and like boneless in and jumping around. And they're like, well, we have this ramp out back. Why don't you bring, put this board together and come out back. So I go out on their bank ramp, Rick, and I fucking start shredding. I'm like doing all kinds of crazy shit. And the guy was like, hang on a second. And he walks in and the owner comes out and all these people come out and I'm literally putting on a demo at this point, <laughs> like a one man demo. Yeah. And they were like, dude, do you want to be sponsored? And I was like, well, if you give me this board for free, hell yeah. They're like, now nah, you can have everything, you know? And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Let's do it. I didn't give a shit. So I didn't know what that even entailed. You know, it's a longboard company. They hooked me up, man. I go back to my roommate that night. I got wheels, backpack, shirts, all this shit. And they're like, what the fuck? Did you rob the play? I was like, nah, bro. I got sponsored. And not even trying. <laughs> That's so and, cool. And, and we were like, holy shit, bro. So now I'm like sponsored by this longboard company. I'm like, cool. 
Well, this was the it, this was about 1996, and uh, longboarding was getting ready to go through something. This it, Sector Nine and Gravity were big companies, and they were really growing the sport. And uh, so, next thing you know, two months later, dude, I'm on a flight to fucking Florida, skating Kona Skate Park, going to a Surf Expo trade show in Orlando, rock starring out. Everything's paid for, and you know, all your meals, like everything, like it was awesome. And after that, I went on like a four year run of just traveling, doing debt with longboarding. There was no expectation of a video part or we were filming and making videos, but it wasn't like a pr this, the pressure of a modern pro skater. Makes sense. Yeah. So, so I ended up becoming salary. I got a paycheck. I was living at the beach. I got all this product. I would get a phone call. Hey, can you go to Japan in a couple hours? Like, uh, you know, fuck yeah, let's go. I don't have any money. Like, they're like, you don't need any money. All right, let's go. Like, go to Japan, fucking next level rock star shit. I talk about it towards some of my episodes. And then, um, you know, I'd come back. We would, where do you want to go? Let's get an RV and go to Nude Bowl and then go here and go there. And So literally for like four years, dude, my life was insane, like just it became longboarding, which was a which a which a curse and and a it was a blessing and a curse. That's what I'm trying to say. Because mm -hmm. what it did is I put my normal skateboard down and focused on developing this company with different size boards and different things. But it really hurt my skating in the sense that you know skateboarding took off to the next level with flip tricks yeah and, and a flip and, but yeah but honestly i mean you could give yourself i think i mean obviously you would it, i mean you, you rode and you had a pro model but you can give yourself some credit because the tricks that i saw like i watched some of your clips from back then i was like wait a minute he's doing that on a long board how does that make sense like you were flipping your like do it like oh, I, stuff. Yeah. I was like I what yeah, I could 360 flip a 40-inch board. That's what I mean. I'm like, so I'm like, dude, yeah, I mean, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, okay, you know, you're the regular, I mean, I, I guess the regular is the only word where I can come in. Regular yeah, skating yeah. Took, a, took a toll. But, yeah, it makes sense because I've ridden longboards before. Mm -hmm. I don't own one. I have a cruiser right. board. Yeah. But with me, same thing with longboards and uh, electric boards. Like, it's a control thing for me. I When I ride those boards, I don't feel – as in control as I do on a regular skateboard on a totally. longboard, I feel like, Oh, sh I could bail. But then I like the, like you said, the smooth feeling of like a surfing, oh, but I just, so right. I can't, I, I mean, maybe I need to try it again now, but well, it's hard for me to get used to longboards. guess. Well, here's the thing, Rick with longboarding. There's so many different types. Yeah. Anything, anything after, what is it? 36 inches and above, I guess qualifies as a longboard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Okay, so there's so many different ones. You can go up to one of the most famous longboarders of all time was Ed Economy. Ed Economy would ride these giant, long, 50, 60-inch long boards, you know. But, like, we dialed it down to the most technical, like, that you could ride were, like, around 39, 40. And, but what mm -hmm. I would learn to do is I – personally is I love switch dance skating. I would learn to ride longboard switch stance. So I could literally on a half pipe drop in switch. And like you said, it's more, it's harder to like turn or switch front side grind or I, I love switch front side rock and rolls. That's one of my favorite tricks. I could love them on a longboard too. Cause you can just lap them up on there. But, um, 
you know, it's with the it's just more commitment with the longboard. So okay, so to keep my story on a fast track, after all that kind of goes through its toll and all, let's let's bring it back to where I come back to Baltimore in the early two thousands. Then I started getting into uh, bank slalom racing. So the, those boards are, uh, I don't have one right in front of me, but those boards are like riding a Ferrari, those slalom boards, yeah, the, the way they handle. They're they, much they smaller handle. too, right? Yes, 32, yeah. in, my, my slalom board's 32 inches. I don't do the tight wiggle slalom. I know. Oh, yeah, I would get, yeah, I would get, re- yeah, that looks, it looks painful because you're, <laughs> I mean, maybe as like a 18 year old, but now it's like, hell, I would yeah. get wrecked. <laughs> it's almost like, like a, a glorified, uh, glorified speed wobble almost like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is really, right? You stay wiggle. Woo! Yeah. But yeah, that was, I'm glad you mentioned it because that was me one of my questions too. Like, how is slalom? And I, I remember, I mean, I wouldn't consider it slalom growing up, but I put cones or ride around stuff as a kid, but nothing on like a legit, so- course but you actually like did competitions though right and you won okay as slalom right i won a lot so this was this was the next phase in my life i come back to uh maryland come back to baltimore um i start racing bank slalom racing and we would go to kona a lot and uh i'm good friends with martin ramus that the ramus family that owns kona skate park so that'll come into my story in a little bit so uh, I meet my wife and all, and I'm back here, and I, I'm really getting into bank slalom racing and giant slalom racing, and um, I go down to Kona to race in their their famous snake run there. They have a big bank slalom race, and I'm hanging out with um, Olsen and Hackett. Well, Steve Olsen and Dave Hackett are two of the greatest bank slalom racers ever, and one morning, I'm sitting up there on the course with them, and we're just running through, and one of them turned me on. I can't remember who, but I think it was Olsen, but turned me on to a way of entering a cone and changing my trajectory, um, where to hit the apex of the cone and to line up the next cone. Hmm. It was this little secret trick, right? But what it did is when I learned this trick and I came, and I came back to Maryland, knowing that trick in my head, I was a couple seconds faster than everybody and no one could catch me. And I went nice. on the win. Like I won like seven events beating hell of people like, uh, down at the Vance park in uh, Northern Virginia, they had this race down there, Chris Chapit, all these legends came and it was 80 some people in the event. And I won by like a second. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. And you just mentioned insane, like something dude. that, so as you won by a second, I mean, it's weird to just hear that and a imagine s- saying, I won this competition by a second. So, oh, is it a race? I mean, it basically is, but you're on a skateboard, and it's not how many tricks you do. It's like time. So that's pretty cool. Time. Yeah. So I, I, I got really, really fast. And then um, so I started doing this, and then Dave Hackett put on an event in California called the Death Race at Simi Valley at the Skate Lab there. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's like the Museum of Skateboarding. No, and, I haven't uh, yet. It's You got to go. It's yeah. fucking amazing. It's so, something to see. And uh, he put on this race, and it was when he had Death Box, that company going on for a while. And uh, he called it the Death Race, 2003. So gravity flies me out. I come out, and it's fucking packed. It's all these fucking heads. I mean, everyone in the industry was there. It was killer. And it, it was a course set up through a skate park. Like called, Nowadays, it's called Park Slalom. Okay. The cones are the cones are literally up on vert walls. You have to wall ride around them over a pyramid, over a hip, around a bed. You know, just they utilize the whole skate park. And uh, 
dude, after the first run, I was the top eight went to the finals and it was my first or second run. I was qualified third or fourth. And I was like, holy shit, I can win this thing, man. So I was so fucking excited, Rick, that I pushed it so hard my first run that I missed a cone and blew out the course and DQ'd. But you only had two runs. So my next run, I had to be conservative to, like, get a time. And uh, I, I laid back. I was a little conservative. And I ended up getting seventh place. But I beat Tony Magnuson. So that was cool. So <laughs> Tony Mag, is, there you go. Th- this is my claim to fame, man. I beat Tony <laughs> Magnuson. <laughs> gonna make a t-shirt <laughs> I, I beat tony mag yeah. tony mag you know now it's of course obviously pre eight street and all that fun stuff so that's oh, awesome, man. yeah so fucking but he's a legend but yeah so and i love him but yeah so that was cool but yeah that was neat man i and i had legendary people come up to me after that that event and uh were super stoked on me i go back to maryland with a ton of confidence um but I'm building my life now and, and trying to grow up, but it, I was struggling because I'm like on the end of my career. But what, what happened to me then is I got all my connections because of Derek and growing up in that scene, the vert scene, I got asked to MC on the Red Bull half pipe with um, Buster Halterman, Jake Brown, Danny Mayer, Toss Pappas, Bucky Lassick, Tony Hawk did some events. So I was the the hype guy, and like I was like Dave Duncan, you know, the okay, yeah. guy. Everybody make some noise, Tony Hawk dropping in. But like, it's like being an auctioneer following <laughs> these guys, like Pierre Luke, man, PLG, my homie, man. But like to call one of his runs, it's like, all right, setting up Nolly heel flip, Cavalario, setting oh my up gosh, right yeah. into a half cap, you know, like. That's I why I, I joked on you that one time about that one trick because exactly. I'm a trick stickler. No, no I, I, I mean, I try to pretend like when I'm watching content, I couldn't keep up, man, because, you know, especially when you start, you got guys that do a lot of switch stuff and it's fakey and all this. It's like, dude, but yeah. I could totally – and it's funny you mentioned that. I could totally picture you and picture you emceeing an event, dude, and the crowd just going crazy. Like, you're a good fit for that. So, it makes oh, sense dude, that they would it. hire you I, for that. I love it, man. I was, I was the hype guy. Come on, make some noise. Yeah. Like getting, and then I started. I we would do it um, down at the uh, East Coast Surf Championships in Virginia Beach, and then so then all those guys, Sergi, um, Pee Wee, Henry Gutierrez, all those VB guys, and uh, man, it was just so fucking hype. And um, Toyota Scion had just come out, which was a car company mm-hmm. that uh, Toyota uh, started. So we had this Toyota money backing us. So we were hotel rooms, crazy dinners. I mean, there was this one story I could tell. It's kind of fun with Jake Brown and all. Jake is fucking the bratest dude. And and I think all Australians are toss as well. Like all these Australians are so fun to party with. But uh, we were at this dinner and the guy from Toyota was like, what's your most expensive drink? And after we had a big steak and lobster dinner, I mean, thousands of dollars are flying. And um, the guy was getting drunk. He's like, what's your most expensive uh, drink? And the guy, guy's like, uh, the Louis the Fourteenth or some 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 called Louis something. I don't know if you know what that is. No, it's some... it sounds. I'm sure. I believe it sounds expensive. <laughs> the, the dude comes back with the bartender and like a security guy, you know, with this bottle, and uh, the guy's like, uh, pour it round for the whole table, right? It's like it was like two hundred and eighty dollars a shot or something, Damn. or maybe even more. But we all, the whole round, and you're supposed to like savor it and smell it, like 
It's some faint. Dude, that shit could have been Jägermeister for all we care. We were like, oh, rad, it's brown. Yep. Threw it back. Can we get another bottle of Yingling over here? <laughs> yeah, another round, another round. Another round, another round. But uh, That's funny. man, riding in limos, Jake throwing all the fucking glass out the sunroof, like just rock star shit. But man, so that was fun um, emceeing with that because I really felt like that could have been my next avenue of skateboarding. And I remember, and Paul Zitzer too, and I'm friends with Paul for a long time. And I was like, Zitzer, dude, we were having a heart to heart one night and he was kind of getting out of pro skating as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, of course, you know, he's always got that spot with Schaefer at Tampa, but he was kind of like wondering what his next thing. And I was talking to him about, uh, emceeing. Dude, the next fucking year I turn on the TV and there's Zitzer on NBC He's one of the commentators. I'm like, fucking Paul, you took my king, bro. Like, <laughs> I know it's a small, like, window. Like, you got Andrew Cannon. You got Chris Cote. Like, it's and – it, and yes. those kind of roles, they're much like – gosh, well, how can I compare it? Like, um, they're like, hard it's – it's a hard seat to get in. Yeah, dude. like game show. Like, it, you know, Alex Trebek, RIP. Like, people wanted mm -hmm. his job for the longest time, but that's, like, the gig to have, you know? So, it's like, yeah. you know, once – and, unfortunately, that's what happened. They're small. They're small – it's all who you know, and they're that, small groups. It is, you know, dude. Same with like I like I met I've known Sal Masake a long time, man. Like yeah, Sal, he's another good one. Sal. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's yeah, a pioneer of the yeah, exactly, man. He totally, he made man. me want to watch that you know the X Games all because it was his cool demeanor and the way he you know presented. It was like institutes got some robotic guy on the mic. You know, you got to be you yeah, know, you got to have some personality and let it. And it's yeah. gotta you, you got to be comfortable. And like, and that, and that's why, like, there was times like my wife would be like, I don't know how you can walk out there in front of that many thousand people, like the whole beach packed in Virginia beach. And, you know, and I'd be up there like Jesse Fritch that year, Kelly Clarkson song, since you've been gone came out. He was <laughs> nice. like, I love that fucking song. So every time he skated, I'd put it on. <laughs> yeah. And I, would, I would literally be on the deck singing that shit and fucking, I would look out and there would be hundreds of people dying, laughing, but like it was people, you know. I'm like, since you've been gone, and fucking and, yeah. people, girls and were digging it, and like guys were cracking up, and like I was like, I don't give a fuck, you know. Like, well, exactly. And you, what you did that day is you created memories for someone, you know. They, they're, oh, I remember that guy. So I guess this would be a good segue. Like, I want to talk about your podcast now. So obviously, okay. you had some background with that. So how, what was kind of the background of starting, you know, in the patch with cabbage, your show that you're currently on? Yeah. So, okay. So good, good deal. So, um, being a, now that I had to grow up and become a truck driver, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do and, and becoming a truck driver was second nature because all the traveling I'd done skating, I was always the guy driving the van or, or I, I was just always, I, I like enjoy driving. So now I currently, uh, me and my partner, we run 6,500 miles a week. Um, that's about a we do it in about a hundred hours, hundred and five hours. So I'm in a tractor trailer, hundred and five hours a week every week. So eventually, I discovered podcasts, and I was a little late to the game. I'd say it was about two or three years ago. I started listening and being skateboarding my life. Of course, I just found the Nine Club. Yep. I think my first episode was uh, I heard I saw Olson. I was like looking. I was like Steve Olson. Oh shit! And it was Steve and Alex they did like a split one and like, man, it was so cool because I've known that when, when I was telling you those stories from Kona, Alex was a little boy like tagging along. So 
I mean, he wouldn't know me from shit now, but I was like, damn, I knew him as a little fucking boy. And now he's like a famous pro skater. And, and you know, it's funny. Same with Riley. Like, Riley was this little fucking kid. Now Riley Hawks is like fucking rock star guy. I'm like, damn, I knew him when he was a little kid. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, man. But, uh, so I started listening to podcasts. I discovered Nine Club. I really liked what they were doing. Um, I, I became like an avid listener of that. And then, of course, Rogan. And then, you know, and then I just started going down rabbit holes. I listened to all, I listened to so many podcasts, but, um, and then I discovered, uh, like, I, I just felt, I, I liked what I was hearing in certain skate podcasts, but I was like, I think my MC background, I was like, dude, I felt like they were not good interviews. I felt like some of the, like, I just, damn, I could do this shit. And I started thinking, wow, skateboarding, I've been in bands. I know a ton of great bands, musicians. I know all these pro skaters. I, I want to shine the light on my neck of the woods. And I was like, well, I had a good job. I did some research. I was like, all right, I can do this. So I'm going to buy a podcast setup. So I bought a podcast setup and uh, last Christmas, treated myself for Christmas. And then um, I started, I was came up with the name and um I was going to call it the Cabbage Patch, but I was like, I'll probably get fucking sued or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's a good call. <laughs> you know, and then, and then I had a buddy of mine. I was interviewing him, and uh, he was like, hey, I'm here in the patch with Cat. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool, in the Damn. patch. That's my, that's my thing. You're here in the patch with Cabbage. And uh, so I was like, cool, in the patch. So uh, the name evolved, and then the way I wanted to do it was I, I, I liked what I was hearing in other skateboarding podcasts. But I wanted to to bring it to my own long format conversation the way Rogan does, but with the information that you get on the Nine Club, and find you know and find my own niche here and um and my first episode I did Derek Krasowskis because he was my best friend and it also kind of told the backstory of me you know throughout that podcast you hear a little bit about where I'm from okay. and uh. And then I kind of just was like, went on a mission there, you know, and I started, then I did a musician then I did an artist and then I'd start, and then I started going down the rabbit hole of skaters and I was like, God, I have so many skateboarding friends and, you know, and then it just snowballed, but, and I still do get back to the music guys and I still do get back to the artists and tattooers and all, but like I have been lately, you know, stuck in the skateboarding world but um, I, I will get to all those things because I just love creative people. I love a good story, a good conversation. And that's kind of what my show is about. I'm not afraid to let it rip. I've had some episodes where we've gotten wasted. And by the end of it, we're like drunk, dropping F-bombs like sailors. Like, oh, that motherfucker, you know. And But that, that's, you know, I've actually had one episode. We were too drunk. I couldn't even put it out <laughs> because – I'd listen to it the next day. I was like, bro, like, nope. I, we, no, we can't put this out. But um, so all I want to do is put out good content and let people discover it. And the thing is taking a life of its own. As far as I get a guest that leads me to another guest that leads me to another guest. And it's, it. and I love the community of podcasters meeting you. I love homie Gordy over there. Yep. Wouldn't your ear. Those guys. Yep. Yeah. Shut dropping in texas guys hondo hank and them those guys are rad and and i'm as i'm meeting more and more of you guys it's like man i'm i'm in to support you as you know i'm in the support like there's room for all of us in here man that's <laughs> it and and one thing i noticed about your show 
you know, which part of the reason why I want to have you on is that you, you can tell that you really enjoy it. It's not like, you know, you're being forced to do this and you hate it. And, right. and the stories that are that of the, cause I'm not a hundred percent up to speed on your show, but the, of the shows I've listened to, like there's great content. you you did a great job hosting and it's fun. It's fun to listen to. Like you, and I learned something too. That's the one thing, like there's value in it. So for the yeah, listener, so it's cool. That, that's rad. You said that because as an older guy, part of my journey became documenting the older guys that paved the way for even me. And so I've gone down rabbit holes on my show. I call, I call my show the home of Maryland skateboarding, but it's a lot bigger than that. But it is in the sense that like I am documenting my scene here and who the guys that paved the way before me. And it, there's episodes where I have guys, I have the biggest legends ever from Maryland. I mean, that were paving the way. Like uh, what, what episode was Denny? I got him up. De Denny Reardon, man, was this famous um, skater. He was his episode tells so much history. He, uh, I've had Cliff Coleman on lately. Cliff Coleman, if you didn't listen to that episode, this guy was riding for Hobie and doing skateboard demos in 1963. Nice. This dude invented downhill sliding. He taught Stacy Peralta and the Bones Brigade how to downhill slide for future primitive. And he tells those stories. I'm gonna, so that's I, a homework item. A homework item. I need to listen to that episode. Cliff Coleman's episode is a must listen to, man. That was episode 38. But uh, like guys like that are, intrigued me. And I started thinking like, holy shit, man. These and, and same here in Maryland. We had these skate parks here in the late 70s. And the stories I'm hearing, these guys, I, I, it, it's insane. Like before, when I was still that tall. Like when I was talking about riding my BMX bike around as a kid, these guys were fucking making vert ramps and skating in backyards and their story needs to be told and shine light on. And, and they need all, I, I, all my guests, I say, please drop as many names as you can, because I love getting the history, the names, the faces, the places. I love documenting that. And that's become the passion of my show is like preserving skateboarding history from you know, from my, from my side of the coast, you know, because skateboarding, even though that, that dog town, Tony Alva and all these guys get all the credit for these pools, that shit was happening here. That shit was happening in Florida. That shit was happening in Texas all, all at the same time. But in California, they had magazines and they had the media and the good, good weather morning. and that they got all the credit. And, and there was guys, I've had a guy on my show, Josh Marlowe, in 1976, he was doing frontside airs in swimming pools here in, Bal in Maryland, in the coast, it's called Ocean City, Maryland. And they didn't even know what to call him because no one had seen him. They were calling him hoppers because he'd hit the lip and hop. And they were like, this dude was doing frontside airs in 1976 in a pool? So Wait cool. a minute, that's here in Maryland? So that shit was happening in Florida. That shit, you know what I mean? Like, so I, like I, I and I want TA and them guys to get the credit because it's much deserved. I love, I love all those guys and I've had an opportunity to become friends and meet TA and I love Tony's Brad, you know, but hearing these stories is like, it, it, you know, like you can hear in my passion now, I could talk about the shit all day. Right? Oh yeah, and like, exactly, man. And that's why I mentioned at the top, man, there's no way we can cram all the stuff we want to talk mm -mm. about. It's, mm -mm. and and it's it's yeah 
it, it, like I said, that's it, why it, my that's why my episodes are like three hours long, bro. <laughs> well, that's always been my one thing. Like I I liked the Nine Clubs. It was my like first experience with a skateboard podcast that kind of eventually influenced mm-hmm. me to start my own. But it was like, dude, I have yet to listen to Mike Valley's five and a half hour interview because it's just like that's a chunk of time. I'm like, I gotta listen to Savage. Oh. I gotta listen to Gordy. Like I don't have the time for five hours. I mean, I, but you I got ADD. Yeah, but then it, but then again, I mean, we do have the technology these days. I could listen to it at two x speed and probably knock that out in two and a half hours. Well, you like could. Two, hey, but but it's awesome with that fucking when you stop when you go back to it in your library, resume listening. Yeah, so exactly. Exactly. you know what I mean. Like I have all I have that with podcasts where I'll stop and then come back to them, dude. But I listen to Villelli's all in one sitting. Whoo! Because from driving. Oh yeah, like, duh, yeah, that makes sense. So that was probably every, a nice time kill for you, man. You're like, it was oh, killer, sweet. dude. I, yeah. I listen to that. Like, so when I leave Baltimore on Tuesday, I go to Florida first, and like, I'll I start off with because I leave on Tuesday night. You and Gordy, both your shows drop. So I listen. I'll put on like wood in your ear and leave Baltimore. That gets me all the way down around Richmond into Virginia. Then I'll pick up No Mongo podcast. That'll get me all the way down in like North Carolina, deep into North Carolina. You know, then I'll pick up like a date. Then I switch it up. I'll listen to like a Dateline or a murder thing for a while. And but like I'm sure, especially when you're you know driving, you need to have some kind of background noise. Not saying mm -hmm. that, but but then you need to have stuff that kind of stimulates your brain to keep you awake. And you know, you need to have entertainment. You know, because every time I drive, Rick, we drive 11 hours and then switch. So every time I get behind of a wheel, I drive 11 hours. So I do that five times a week. So five times a week, I drive 11 hours. Dude. So, so to me, it's nothing, man. Like, yeah. it, like <laughs> That's true. That's cool, man. That's, that's so cool. But yeah, it's, it's good that you have podcasts because, you know, oh, yeah. listen to AM or FM radio for that long. You're like, dude, <laughs> I, if I hear this another, another, the same commercial again, I'm going to lose my mind, you know? I know, man. So I, <laughs> but, I, I, love, I love podcasting, man. And I, it's, it's a high you get from it, dude. When you put out, when you hit publish and put out a new episode, you know, I get a rush from it. And I get friends hitting me up. All of, my show's gone all over the world now. Um, I'm on Lipson, so it tracks that's I can good. keep track of where my show is being listened to and all. And uh, I pick up new countries all the time. Um, I've had some of the best skaters. You know, Jake Rupp was one of my favorite, you know, from him and Gary Smith to Rodney Jones. Okay, here's a quick one. I, I know I'm probably talking too much, but uh, I just went back and listened, man. I was talking. I love talking Schmidt. Great. Oh, I love Great show. So, great show. I feel like, I feel like Schmidt's show is like – raising the bar of skate podcasts lately with the production value alone the yes. what he does with the editing i'm like holy fuck i don't have time to do all that i'm a one-man gig i hit i don't you know i hit record i hit end you know publish yeah his, his show is <laughs> like, another one that's in my regular rotation he's so good and i i i can honestly say it's underrated like i don't hear about his hmm. show often enough it's, in the chatter I, I feel like it's growing and i and i'm sure it is I, I can't imagine especially with what he's doing i love what he's doing with supporting all the local skate shops and True. that push that's done a lot man yeah, that's got 
and that helped his show grow as well because the communities within skate shops like it's like you know yeah, yeah and his so the stories that i hear on his show as well are just amazing you are, know? Great, so, are great are yeah. great you know and like you know i had andy roy on and it was funny because i listened to andy on talking schmidt and when I had interviewed Andy, I went back and listened to some of that interview and I picked some of the interview out and I, and then I went deeper in my questioning. I didn't want to ask the same questions, but I'd pick out some of his answers and then I'd find my next question in some of his answers. You know what I'm like? Yeah, like I get it. trying to get deep in there. But, uh, so I, oh, so this goes back to what I was getting ready to say. So I've recently was, uh, messaging with him and i told him to go back and check out my rodney jones episode um i don't know if he, rodney jones is a pro skater from uh from pal for years mm -hmm. he, big big famous pro and uh he came on my show and the night before he came on my show he goes cabbage i want to do something different something crazy and he i was like what are you thinking rodney he's like I want to bring my girl and I'm going to propose to her before the episode. Wow. I was like, Oh, that's fucking rad, dude. And he goes, Hey, aren't you one of them internet clergy guys? I forget what the pastor or whatever it is. I don't even know what the hell I am. But anyway, I, I put in my bank card and in my email and now I can marry people. Wow. <laughs> so, that's so, awesome. So basically Rodney comes out, proposes to his girl at the beginning of the episode. She says yes. She's stoked. And he goes, I got another surprise for you. Cabbage is an ordained minister and can marry us. She's like, let's do it. So we started his podcast. I married Rodney Jones to his girl. And, uh, and then we're cracking beers and shit. And then she was all stoked. And she goes outside and texts all and tell all her friends. And me and Rodney went into the podcast and, his podcast was that was one of my favorite interviews because I mean his stories are crazy talking about Muska fucking pulling out Bud out of his stash spot and be out of his shoe. Oh, the shoe, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, being stoked on Rodney for backsmithing a handrail and uh, smoking him out, and all the kids are like, "Yo, Muska pulled that shit out of the stash spot," you know. <laughs> but like, so I mean, th that episode to me is one of my favorites. So basically. In my first season as a podcaster, I've married people. I've had proposals <laughs> on the show. I've gotten too drunk. I've gotten, you know, too whacked out on coffee. And it, it's just, it's, it's so fun, dude. I'm having a great time. On Cliff Coleman's episode, at the very end of it, I cried, man. It was so heavy. Like, when I, when I hung up from him, I took a second to process. I don't know what came over him, but I started crying. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Here's a 70-some-year-old man that's going to be in the Skateboarding Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Yo-Yo Hall of Fame. He's a professional yo-yoer. I'm like, this guy's lived this amazing life. And, like, something came over me, and I was like, holy fuck, man. So the pa the power of podcasting is fucking real, man. No, I, lo so. I love that, man. Yeah, and just and you've had, you know, because I'm checking my notes here, so you've had some great and fascinating guests and stories. But one, one episode that stood out for me, I, I was like, it was an awesome it was episode number 17 for those listening at home but it was your skate video music episode and you just were like <laughs> i love how you, just, you i mean you did the 411 thing that one got me sparked and then mcrad of yeah. course weakness it always gets me pumped up mm -hmm. i use that yep. to get pumped up like if i'm not feeling it getting on the podcast to record I, i'll listen to that before i jump on some days oh uh, right Shout but out the one the Reese. one that really stood out for me was uh oh gosh where are my notes here um eight days that song from what streets on oh. fire 
that as soon I, as you played that, I was like, yes, that's my. Yes, I, that, there's dude. just something about that song that's so 80s, but it's, it's so just skateboarding. Oh my god, man, that song. Yeah, you could take me out on that song. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But so so that but I but it brought up a question in my head. So I mean, for you, I mean, obviously, and we all know this, but for skateboarding, how important is music? I mean, you can't have one or the other, right? It's got to be okay. They're amazing, opinion, right? It's so it's amazing. Um, that's the best thing about to me as skateboarding offered us all as youth is we were accepted and we love everything. You can't find a lot of skaters that are really like that are just down with one thing. Like you talked about on the last episode, how fucking awesome was that old Metallica music yeah. on that Bones? Th that uh, well, of course, Danny and Colin that plan yeah. B got they they always loved you know or dc they always use metallica but you can't beat old metallica but then again we were all into our generation run dmc and we were lucky enough that the 90s hip-hop was the greatest era of hip-hop ever <laughs> i agree period yes. done deal mic drop because yep, i agree when, i mean tribe far side leaders of the new school all that stuff i mean epmd it, it it was so fucking amazing. So you, we loved hip hop. We loved all the Hesh shit. I love Slayer and all that. Of, of course, where I'm from, punk was huge. Bad Brains, uh, Fugazi, Minor Threat, all that shit. Yep. Government Issue. All these bands were big. And I'm so I've been involved in that heavy. I play heavier music. I play drums. I play punker, heavier stuff. I play music that's more like, I don't know if you're familiar with Caius or Fu Manchu or these stoner rock bands that are like all derived from like Black Sabbath. Yeah, I've heard of Fu Manchu. Yeah, yeah. So these are just bands that are just like play this like gunga, 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 gunga. So like if you listen to Stone Dust Riders, my band, our last album we put out, uh, volume one, it's on YouTube and all. That's the music I use for my show. And uh, so it's cool because this year I switched up the songs and I'm just kind of going through the album using different songs. But like to me, music, man, as a skateboarder, it's everything. It makes the vibe. It makes the session on the, you know, I, we didn't listen to earbuds. Well, we didn't have that shit, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I would, now that I do have them, I wouldn't skate with earbuds anyway. But like I don't either. The, the boom box, man, like was the shit sitting on the ramp, The you know, ACD. Tapes. ACD tapes. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> We're not uh, no CD. It was it was tapes. <laughs> I wish I had my my wallet in front of me to show you my uh. You know when you get an ATM card, they they show you like different. They had one that was a cassette tape. I was awesome. like, oh, bro, give me that one. So my bank card is a cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, I was like, I was I was listening to that last night, just episode seventeen of yours. And I was like. So many good songs, and it it just like I don't even need to see the video. I, I mentally it's in like in my brain. A, a, a Tony, I and, mean Christian Asoy doing that slow McTwist at Raging Waters. Raging Waters, yeah, yep. I, I just I had to mention them. Like, Dude, this is all. I, mean, I, I actually did, I listened to an episode man. a while ago, but I, I was refreshing as we were going to talk today. I'm like, yeah, that's right, so good. You know what's funny about that, Rick? Is like, okay, so it's it was hard. I started a fucking podcast the year of a pandemic. You know, and I'm like, oh, fuck, man. You know, right as I started getting up to speed and rolling with guests and all, like, bam, you know, quarantines and people like scared to like do shit. And to me, 
the part of I've got all this equipment, all these boom mics and all this shit. I, I love the intimate conversation. I'm, I'm struggling with this new school. Like I told you today when you, we did this, this is my first Zoom thing, really. I still do all my interviews that I'm doing via phone call, via phone call, you know? Yeah. Like, but I like this. I like seeing the yeah. – it makes it a little better, you know? No, it, it does, man. It's, and it's adjustment, man. You know, you just got to – I, well, I hear you, but yeah. With the, what's funny about you doing this with me is I consider you, and let, let me give you a plug and shout out real quick. I what I like about your podcast and No Mongo is you're like my favorite fucking skate tech nerd guy, and I mean it with all respect <laughs> because I I love how technical you get in with with your reviews on videos and breaking them down, and like a lot of times I'll listen to your podcast and then go watch the video. Cause I kind of know you kind of review these videos so well and so precise and, and you put so much passion into it. Like you say what I do, you do as well and what you're doing. And I'm just like, man, I can really feel it through your, your shows and your episodes. And I'm like, man, I really like that. So I consider you that like super technical guy. And it's so fucking awesome that you're my first Zoom guy and it's an interview <laughs> and I'm on No Mongo. I, I love so. that, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate the comments too. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, my show's still evolving, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I did, I don't know how many episodes before I did my first interview. I interviewed Bear Walker. He's a great skateboard maker. If you guys are listening, you don't know who he is. Look him up. Shout out Bear. But I, I kind of was doing my own thing for a while and it's still evolving. Who knows what sh my show is going to be like? A year from now you know so yeah i appreciate the, you saying that though i, I try to put out the best content as i can there you go we're content creators <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. love that they're like what are you uh, yeah i'm a content creator but i'll tell you it's hard being doing it and i'm doing you're doing it just like me we're one man shows we got families jobs this thing and it's a passion to us exactly. but the pro the hard thing to do is really when you get into the guest thing like i do is it's so fucking hard to line this shit up, schedule it. I'm only home a couple days a week. True. If you know, if you notice, my last episode, two episodes ago, was called "Ghosted in the Past." I listened. Yeah, I listened. Dude, <laughs> yeah, it, it happens, man. It happens. And, 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 and then, much like you and I, like you're a three-hour window difference window of time yeah, for me mm -hmm. too. So I mean, we got it. You That's hard. That. But yeah, whereas like you said, if you have someone in your studio, man, it's you know it's. It's it's on right yeah, there. there. Yeah, so. so it it's really hard coordinating guests, doing all this shit. You know, I'm doing it from a tractor trailer ride down the road, trying to like, hey man, I'll be home Monday at such and such. Can we do this? And trying to line this up, put this out. It, it's really hard to do it every week. And uh, when I first started, I banked a few episodes to get ahead of the game. Makes sense. But that. But then, then they went away, and then next thing you know, I, I'm a week-to-week -week guy. And like that episode you talked about, skate videos, you really have to start using your imagination because that week I don't have a guest. I'm like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? You know, how, what am I going to do? And I was like, you know, so I was kind of getting creative on those episodes because that was the height of the pandemic. And I was like, I love skate video music. And, and dude, even with that episode, there's like, and with my story in general, there's so much to get to. Yeah, it's only I, there. There's yeah. no way I could get to all the Brad Skate video music song, but I hit the staples, the landmark. Yeah, you hit, song. you hit a, a lot of the feels for me. I was like, that's why I had to mention them all. That was a, as you mentioned, it was kind of, it, it forced you to be creative. But I benefited. The listeners benefited from from hearing those songs because it took us back. Yeah, it's funny, how, but that hey man, sometimes like 
what is it called? You have to call an audible and you might get the good content out of that, you know? And that's, what's the fun thing I'm learning with podcasting that we're learning as we go. You're always learning, but you're always inventing something or trying to like make your show more unique or, you know, or better. I, I listen back to my shows when I'm writing and I critique myself. I'm like, gosh, why do I keep saying so, so, um, so, uh, so, you know, like, or why do I keep saying like, or, you know, you, you want to get your, you, you know, you want to sound good. And, but when you listen back, you're like, oh my God, stop interrupting the guest. You know, like this, this I hate when people do that. You know, I can't stand, uh, there are certain uh, podcasts out there. I'm not going to say it, but like, man, they'll start talk, the guests will start answering and they'll jump in to tell their story. Yeah. Like, I, I got, agree. And you have, and it's the main thing, the key point, and it's good that you mentioned, is that you are not, you are aware of that. So if you weren't aware that, oh, I'm interrupting this guest, then you're like, how can you, there's no way you can improve. Because if someone tells you, you're not going to hear it because you don't, you're not, you know, so it's cool that you know that. You're like, all right, here's my, my crutches. Here's what I need to improve on. Totally. Go from there, man. So yeah. Because um, you also mentioned in that episode, the movie Thrashing, which is another one for me. I mean. That I consider to be like the best skateboard movie of all time. Like Gleam in the Cube doesn't say even so. stand a chance. Grind, mm-hmm. uh, skateboarder, die. I'm like all these lame ass attempts at you know, Street Dreams was a total debacle. Right. But how how I, much of an influence I, was Thrashing to you? It was very much an influence because that was a time when you know skating, you know you had that vibe of like uh obviously you could see i'm a rock and roll guy leather jackets and shit so of course you know i was and like i said i wrote alva boards and and uh so i mean and the guys boards that i were riding were in that shit eddie radigy (laughs) and all and like so they were all daggers so like it was very influential in a lot of ways but like it was definitely you know we knew it was hollywood but what what's cool about like those movies is man it really helped grow our sport and i talk about this with other people like our sport grew in 1995 with the x games the sport really got a boost in 1999 with the release of tony hawk's pro skater the sport took another next level boost and now we have this generation of like gordy and his peeps who are are young men now but they, their memories are getting into skating are from video games. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're seeing these video games. I talk about this on Gordy's on Wood in Your Ear when I was on there. Um, I was playing that. I was living in California, and I'm friends with Bucky. I knew that Tony Hawk Pro Skater was coming out before America knew it was even a game. And I was playing, I was playing Bucky Lassick's, uh test character on a beta version. And then I actually had a chance to go at Bob's house. I was playing Bob Burnquist's character at his house. I got to play Tony's character at his house. So I had played like three of the characters of that game before it even came out. So it was really <laughs> it's, cool. It's really cool to like think back at the history, you know, that things that I've got to be part of. I feel blessed. I'm lucky. In 1999, I was standing with Bucky's wife next to the ramp when Tony did the nine. I was you, were, you were on the deck, right? Uh, I, I was on the no, I was on the flat bottom. Okay, but to the to the side where the the one side was grandstands, the other side was people standing, the friends and family. Gotcha. It's like a v, VIP, but like I was over there, and I was just lucky enough. It's all who you know, Rick, and like I was just knew the right people, and I was standing there with all. 
you know, and how, how and was when I, how was the energy after he pulled that nine? It was I was going to say the energy was insane, and um, it was really I didn't really realize this the magnitude of what I was witnessing. It it didn't even really register. Hmm. Um, I didn't think about I I mean we were blown away. The place was the the decibels were you know people were going crazy and i was so happy but when i watched that was one of the most famous clips espn plays it all the time and i always watch it i'm like gosh i was like 15 20 feet away i wish i would have ran out there and been part of that little <laughs> celebration you- just so i could show my kid one out there's like, me that's there's it. that because that's like you know? that's a moment like as you mentioned it kind of skateboarding i mean but well actually take it real back a little bit further so it's mm-hmm. cool to hear like a, a generation of skaters like you know you ask them well, what guy you into skateboarding like, oh, Tony Hawk's pro skater like a video game got skaters into skating back in the right. day whereas like I'm like oh yeah mine's Christian Asoy or whatever you know but it's cool to hear that like a game of that magnitude I mean no one knew back in the day it would be this big but it influenced a whole generation and now with the remastered one that came out yeah know, it's going to be it's- another group of skaters same thing it, and, and I'll tell you what, I was just telling my son the other day, I was playing, I'm a skate guy. I like skate three. Okay. So, yeah. I have that. Yeah. And I, I love the way the controls are. No offense to the Tony Hawk camp and all that, but the skate game, I, it looks, I love the way the skate game is. And um, I'm really like, push, please put out skate four, please put out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, I think it's going to be a variation. I don't think it's going to be actually skate four because they were, beating around the bush a little bit they wouldn't flat out say skate four so i'm like that's a red flag for one okay so what are they gonna do to keep like their community happy you know because we have session now we have skater xl so the competition is really fierce i haven't fucked with skater xl yet because i haven't either i'm an old school playstation guy you know if i can't hold a playstation controller (laughs) it I get fucked up when my kid has me play something on xbox one i'm like dude i can't these xbox controllers I'm like a creature of habit. But you yeah. know what's wild, Rick, is our generation, and we. this is for the next time we'll get into this because, I, you know, I, I could go deep down this rabbit hole. Is, dude, we watch video games fucking develop. I, I got an Atari 2600 for Christmas, man. Like, <laughs> dude, when it came I, you, out. You, you can't see in the audience, can't see. All these boxes behind me, those are all my, it's my collection, dude. I've got all the old skate games. I got skate. Uh, skater die um you know, yep. remember uh, all the ones for the playstation they was thrashing oh, i have mm-hmm. all those so yeah i'm right there with you dude back remember for the very beginning it was the town and country game i got that one too yeah for the end remember in the fucking the, the gorilla yeah. would yeah you, you do the all like this and then you yeah. hit a, a a rock or something you just go flying yeah and then and then on nintendo dude when skater die two came out it had the half pipe with yeah. that spot with the spine in, oh, the, in the middle, middle yeah the middle. i could do like yeah and you could flip over the spine that like, was yeah that, that was and then when tony Hawk came uh, pro skater came i was like damn that like, changed the game tricks yeah. and yeah that's but yeah, yeah. i agree like i kind of i tell my kids this all the time and i'm aging myself i know some young listeners like, but i because they all was a you know i i appreciate the era that i grew up on because cell phones video games i got to see it all evolve we so, were the last analog generation. Exactly. And I, and I yep. like that because I got to experience all the crap as it progressed. And now I really appreciate like, you know, yeah. it's, it's a double-edged sword, like technology, but I, I'm, I'm like, cool. I, I, whereas my kids, they're like, 
used to having an iPod already. I'm like, shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so, yeah. Insane. <laughs> insane. Is. Like, and I mean, a video game to us was Pac-Man. A little <laughs> fucking dude going around eating fucking dots, yeah. you know. And, we, and you used to play in the arcade. Breakout. And you played at home. You're like, what? This is like an arcade in the home. You know, what? Totally. And, you know, speaking of technology and mind blown, you know, in the late 90s, I was in Japan when – uh, and they were taking pictures on their phones and sending them to each other. And we were like, what the fuck is going on? And I got back to California. I was like, dude, they're taking fucking pictures. And people are like, no way. I was like, dude, their phones have cameras in them. And now look, you and crazy. I are doing this on our phones. Like, yeah, you know, you're about miles San Jose. yeah it's so crazy. So I, I loved it, seeing the evolution of everything, you know, even yeah, skateboarding yeah. included. Like it was a, it was a nice time. You know, it was, it's just, it's cool to think back like, okay, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Rick, dude, we, we are blessed in that sense that, like, we were the last generation. I took my kid to an antique store the other day. I was showing him uh, a rotary phone. He didn't know how to use it. He goes, well, what do you do? I was like, dude, call my number. And he's like, how? Like, <laughs> what? I want to buy like, one just to have one in the house. Just I'll do one, day, one in the patch. One of my, yeah, one of my friends would be like, oh, I, I, my cell phone's dead. Can I use your phone? Yeah, it's over on the wall over there. <laughs> just see what they, they do. Like, I, well, they, I'm buying one for in the, uh, to hang in the patch in my studio here. But, uh, dude, they're kind of expensive, even in all these antique markets. Go figure, the of cheap, course. The cheapest ones I could find were 40 bucks, And I was like, dude, there's got to be like a $10 one somewhere. But I'm not yeah, dropping like 40 school, on like, one. Yeah, I remember like it was – yeah, exactly. And remember when you, you'd have the cord that could go to another room? You'd be like, whoa, the cord could get – but then when we got wireless phones, we Game thought changer. we were in the future, bro. <laughs> but we had a wireless phone, like we were like – this is some Jetson shit. <laughs> so many listening to it right now, they're like, what? I don't remember pre, you know, when you had corded phones, like what? But yeah, yeah it, was the, a, it makes a difference. So huge difference. <laughs> they make, they sell for Apple iPhones to plug in the, uh, well, not, I don't know for the new one, but they make the old school receivers with the ear. And yeah. The okay. With the, with the coily wire that plugs in. <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna have to get that, man. <laughs> Dude, I want to get one so bad and just keep my cell phone in my pocket and be like walking around talking on that fucking big so head receiver. That'd be so fucking good, man. That's so old school, man. Um, so um, old school. So but I yeah, guess so um, keeping it on the, I want to hear your thoughts on this too. Keeping it on the competition front. So what are what are your thoughts on skateboarding? You know, when when it eventually happens, making it to the Olympics finally. Well, I'm cool with it, and I think it's rad, and there's a certain niche that are going to do it. Um, you know, it's really hard to get skaters that don't smoke bud and stuff like that. So, True. I mean, the people that are going to want to be in the Olympics are going to have to commit to wanting to be there. And, you know, by not smoking and things like that. So, I mean, you're going to get a level of skating that, you know, I, I, I follow – like, I follow all these skaters, and I love watching – I felt bad for Nigel in the sense that, like, he was locked and loaded and ready for this Olympics, and I really think he would have won. Um, he's skating so good and so consistent, and this level, I, I've never seen skating at that level. I think even the top pros would say that, like, Nigel's a machine, you know. Some people don't necessarily always like that and like his style, but I, I think it's fucking sick, man. He is. Like, I mean, he's, he's cold-blooded, and, and all he has to do is just point behind him to all the trophies he won, you know? like Yeah, you, how, exactly. how can you How can you doubt his talent? It's, it's right yeah. there. Like, and, but, you know, that's – and this is why you and I love skating. We're such big fans. Like, I love that about Nigel. 
but then flip the script. I love fucking Milton Martinez, man. I love the fucking that fucking dude rules. When when you talked about Mason Silva this year on your episode, claiming back before he won oh, Sodi. Yeah. It was hands down, man. Like it was I was, I just I just kept laughing every time he'd come out when you come I'm like, oh my this is a this is a lock. Like it, yeah. it's a done deal. <laughs> uh, you know what sticks out? The one thing that he did that remember when he does that backside one eighty flip over that like little handrail but it's almost it's like going down the street it's like one or two steps it's it's like a cutout on each side and he does like a backside 180 flip but it's like almost 270 because he has to go all the way around uh, just shit like that really stuck out i that guy is so fucking good man like mm. he was a, but a I, machine but that's what i like i said i love about skating i love the constant evolution of it i love that the guy's like you're, you're J- Jamie Foy and these Florida kids, Zion and these kids, what they've brought. Like, dude, did you hear my episode with Catching Up when I skated with Yoshi Tannenbaum lately? <laughs> and you realize it after that? <laughs> I didn't even know who the fuck he was, right? I loved how you're like, yeah, you know, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I looked this guy up and... <laughs> well, so- I'm, hap- I'm skating with this kid and I'm like, dude, you're fucking good, man. I'm telling him he's good and I'm going to ha- <laughs> ask him if he wants to be on my show. I think I'm going to help promote his career. And I go in my car and I look at his fucking Instagram. I'm like, oh, you got like 80,000 fucking followers. I got like 800. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like hitting up uh, Nyjah before you know who, you know, knew who he was. You yeah. Know, like, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I started, I went down the Yoshi rabbit hole and watched this part at the barracks where he won best trick of the year at the barracks. So good. This dude is fucking amazing, man. Like, He's probably one of the best skateboarders out, I think, man. So He's amazing, dude. Yeah, so that, that's just more talent from my neck of the woods. Ben Hatchell. I've watched Ben since he was a little fucking kid, man. We like so I've known Ben since he was a little kid. I've watched these kids come up that I'm just like we I don't know what's in the water here, but man, we put out some of the greatest, you know, from the the Pat Smiths and the Rodney Jones. We've had got like uh, Gore Neckler and those guys are all Maryland guys. So I I have so much to get to on the show, man. You know, um, I had I started off my season two with Brandon Novak. That was an excellent episode, man. That was just so good. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool that, to hear his story, and it's good to see he's, you know, he's bounced back and he's kind of stayed on on his path. You know, you know, he's I think he's found his purpose, and you know, it's so cool to see his journey and most so most, inspirational. We know that the most of the outcomes of these stories are not good. So it's cool to hear mm-hmm. him turn things around, mm-hmm. and now it's like, I mean, you root for, I mean, you always, I root for any human being. I want everyone to be happy, but you, after hearing that episode of yours, like you, you really, it's like, yes, dude. Now he's going to impact millions of people. He is. He's making his mark. Like I said, dude, you're going to leave this planet, and people are going to remember you for the good. He's got the no, the Novak House now, and doing these things like helping so good he's he's doing so good and and they're all you know trying real good and that then that inspires bam and that's helping bam you know bam's doing great things as well now and you know with the with bam's name just alone man if he gets on that train that brandon's on it's gonna just it's gonna help millions of people you know yeah and and, bam uh, you know he even non-skaters know who he is through his shows and right. all MT. So yeah. yeah, it's true. He's, he's, he's getting there too. And, and I'm hopeful and optimistic that he's going to, you know, great things will continue for him. Yeah. Too, so. And fucking shout out Andy Roy, my homie. I, I never knew Andy. I just knew him as this crazy motherfucker, man. And then when I, when he came to my house and I got to meet him and all, he's so fucking cool, man. And like, he's so like down that like, you know, 
he's like so a guy now I hit up on a text, like, what up, bro? You know, like he's just a, he's he's not what you know I expected. But I hope I mean I probably because he wasn't on some drug bender, but like fucking, Yeah, I know he's uh, staying <laughs> staying on the track. He's, so. he's, he's living a good, clean, healthy life now and he's doing a lot, you know, and he's up there in NorCal doing riding motorcycles and all this shit. So yeah. So yeah, man, it it this this podcast thing is it's uh, it's a still evolving. It's opening doors for me. It's allowing me to meet new people. Um, I'm doing an interview this week that's going to be coming out with uh, a a kid that uh, I don't want to drop it yet, but like a younger up and coming uh, street skater amateur that's hot and got the big board sponsors and all. So love it, man. These kids, I, I like I'm I'm meet. So I'm gone from like. The whole spectrum rick like i, I want to talk to the guy that was skating in the 60s to a kid that's just coming up now and all that in between and that's the shit i'm trying to cover on my show i'm just trying to make it just a, a fun party um if you know me you know i like to talk and you know i when i went on gordy's show gordy and spence <coughs> excuse me wood in your ear i i had been up all day the night before from driving trucks and i got home and I drank a fucking big thing of the Starbucks cold brew. And dude, when we hit record and started that episode, I was tweaking so hard on coffee, bro, that I was ha- like, I was like a cokehead or a, a tweaker. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you before we started talking about how much caffeine have you had? <laughs> Only this fucking uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> but yeah, I drank a big thing of coffee, dude. And I listened back to the episode. I'm like, look, man, I'm sorry, man. Like, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm so hyper as a person. My wife's already like, dude, you got to calm down, man. So, no, that's awesome, man. No, I mean, as I'm looking at my questions, I'm, I'm, I've only got like one more question for you. But all right, shoot. You know, this, this has been like awesome. I knew it was going to be good. We're going to have to do this again and all this good for stuff. sure. But I got, Ditto. I have one more question for you. It's not skateboarding related. Okay. And now that I know you a little bit, better we chatted mm-hmm. i know you're going to be honest with me so here's here's my question so and keep in mind i get i get booed off the stage whenever i'm trying to play drums for guitar hero but <laughs> in your honest opinion do i still have a shot to learn the drums one day because that's my you lifelong do. goal is to learn drums but i get booed off on guitar hero dude do i have a uh, shot or should i give it up <laughs> well no you shouldn't give it up but you're gonna you need a you need to be patient you need a patient teacher you need somebody that's just going to get you on the one, twos, and threes, and fours. But I really wouldn't suggest that you buy an acoustic kit at your age because you are you might get a divorce. <laughs> yeah. and then, or your kids are going to bang on that shit all the time or you're going to want to uh, kill yourself. So it's not looking good. I would get an electronic rolling kit, so just the pads, and put them out in your garage and uh yeah you might have a chance rick you might have a chance but that's what i mean i can i can pat my head and run my belly and do all this but when it comes to drums dude it's like i love <laughs> like i watched uh, is that, like i i watch my my big thing like well, not my big thing but i love to watch um drum cover videos so i'm going to give these two creators a shout so kai smith is one that i watch all the time he does some great oh yeah he just and- he just recently got on uh, he has all the neon shit he, like he, the neon sticks and yeah he, well he's yeah he's so good he does a lot of range of punk and and then another yep. one a maytal cohen she i don't know if you heard she is oh awesome. yeah metal metal yeah the metal chick dude so good i i watched those videos i'm like oh i wish i could learn drums and then as you even you sent me those videos last night and well 
what are you reading my mind? You know, I was going to talk to you about drumming. You know, this, yeah, this dude. I wanted to. You I was like, look, I just wanted you to know, like, look, man, I got other shit out there besides skating. If you were doing looking at anything, I got the band shit. But uh, dude, that chick is rad. She's a great metal drummer. So and good. that and that the the guy Ty you talked about, he just recently. I play minor cymbals, and he just recently became a minor artist as well. So I mean, I'm not endorsed, but like, you know, minor cymbals are like a high end the Zildjian's or whatever, you know, you, most people know Zildjian or Peisty or Sabian, yeah. but Meinl is like a, a real high end symbol. They're, my symbols are all hand hammered in Turkey and all this shit. But anyway, I finally have the drums now at going at 49 years old. I have the drum kit I've always wanted that I could never afford because driving that truck all the time, I finally make the money. There you I go. was like, guess what? Papa's <laughs> getting the drums he always wanted. So I, I play uh, Ludwig Vista lights that John Bonham played. I play them in green. Um, they're like the see-through shells, the acrylic Love shells. It. And I play minor cymbals. Each one of my cymbals is $400, <laughs> which I never would have fucking bought. Like, you know, so Damn. I mean, I have, I have, you know, now I'm sitting there on like close to a $5,000 drum fucking kit. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, so basically, and I'm, Basically, what you're telling me, in a sense, without saying it, is, I mean, I'm not going to buy them yet. I'm just going to have to come to your house and get lessons, dude. When, when the that's COVID what you got to do. That's what that's I'm going to so I'm gonna save do. some money, do some practicing and stuff, and I'll get some lessons from you and figure out, you know, what I need see, to get. <laughs> see what this podcasting community family thing does. Now you got a bro on the East Coast. I got a bro out there. We're fucking. It's good shit, man. Now we just need to squash COVID and we're done, man. <laughs> squash COVID, get you out here with the family riding four wheelers on the farm, man. East yeah, Coast dude. style. Well, dude, that my questions are. I've checked off all my questions. I appreciate your time, man. Um, I guess lastly, I man, plug it. your stuff. Where can the people find you on the social? Anything? Plug your stuff. Well, firstly, I want to thank you, Rick. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I enjoy your podcast, No Mongo. Thank you to all the No Mongo family and the listeners for uh, sitting through my episode. Um, my shit is in the patch with cabbage. I'm on all your podcast platforms, uh, iTunes, Spotify, blah, 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 blah. All mm -hmm. those spots. Um, I'm on, I, I only do Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Um, and, and the shows on both are in the patch with cabbage is on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I, you know, I put out, I try to put out new content once a week. Like I said, it's tough. Some weeks are tougher than others, but, uh, I drop, I try to drop the same time you do. We all drop on Monday nights, Tuesday mornings. And then, um, you know, I, I just appreciate the love, man. Like, uh, I, I hope I can reciprocate. Um, it's just, uh, one big family, man. And that's, I'm just doing my thing. My band is called stone dust riders. We're, we're not doing anything right now. And, dude, even if we were, we're old guys at Weekend Warrior style. You know, we That's play awesome a show though, once. Yeah. It still feels good to be able to get out and rock and roll. And, but lately, I've just been playing alone, you know, at my house. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep the creative juices flowing. That's cool. Got to respect I that. do. So podcasting has been my way to do that. So, um, yeah, but dig deep in my show, man, because uh, I, I – I have hours and hours of content. Um, like I said, there's, there's hidden gems in there from like me marrying people on Rodney's episode to crying on Cliff Coleman's and everything in between, you know, but I enjoy it. I look forward to doing it uh, for a while.
That's it, man. <laughs> I, I could talk with you all day, Rick. You know, I got stories. I, I can't believe that I kind of got that much information out there. How long have we been talking? Probably, I'm guessing, an hour and a half, man. I think that's a record for the No Manga podcast. Some quality content, too, you guys. So Hold, hold on. I've always wanted to do this on the No Manga. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was always epic, man. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, I appreciate well, the time. and We're going to do this again. I really do, man. Have a good rest of your sure. day. Anytime, Rick, man. Anytime you fucking holler at me. You got my number. Shoot me a text. Say what up. We'll be in touch, and, uh, dude. Yeah, I look forward to uh, doing it with you as well. I'm going to get you on the show. Sounds good, man. I might do an episode. I'm gonna, I might put a bunch of you guys together for one because, you know, mine are a little longer. Do, like, an interview, like, get you going for a while. Then get Gordy. Then get a couple, you know, try to get, like, three or four of y'all all in one podcast. And I love it. Right, sign me it. up, man. Put me down. That's, you, that, would sound, that sounds amazing. You want to be an artist on Podcast Palooza? <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Cool, man. All well, right. Hey, have a good rest of the day, man. This has been a blast. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, No Mongo family. I'll talk to you later. Later, man. By, by the way, I push regular. <laughs> <laughs>